0: I think it always comes down to the element of trusting your gut, following your heart, but taking your head with you. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Welcome to the podcast men who talk where we talk about what men talk about or should be talking about brought to you by your host Sam Malik and Ansar Ali today's show is sponsored by DSGN UK who design and develop awesome stuff, which includes branding graphics websites and all aspects of marketing. Right, today we are talking about starting a new project and the mental health issues that comes with it, the stresses, the anxiety and all the negative feeling that is associated with starting a new project. So yeah, so Ansa, what do you think is a problem when it comes to starting a new project?
1: Where do I start? Take us, for instance, starting this podcast. It's been like eight months before we even made any concrete movement. You know, the anxiety that we go through, the fear that we feel. It's just so many different aspects that we put ourselves under to get to where we really, really want to get to.
0: I mean, if you're using this podcast as an example, I mean, the amount of times we met and went back and forth and thinking about all the... We we thought about everything, didn't we, from the topics that we wanted to talk about to, you know, where we're going to promote it, who our listeners are going to be and all that, which is great. But there's a fine line between thinking something over and overthinking, isn't there? I was going
1: to ask you that. Do you think it was us planning or were we looking for a barrier to kind of delay the start? I think...
0: Some of it is when we obviously initiating even before the planning I think the planning essentially started about three four weeks ago before that we were just what they call initiating it so when you're initiating something I think what you do you obviously thinking when you're thinking you're obviously thinking about both the pros and the cons but then what happens is when you do just the thinking one thought leads to another and another And then what happens is You know, sometimes we feel high about it Sometimes we feel down about it I think I remember we originally spoke about the project But then I said, nah, fuck it And then afterwards on my way to work On the way back from work, I rang yeah, you
1: It wasn't a ring, it was a text message, text message. And all you said was podcast let's do it
0: yeah right okay Um, so that is a classic example of you know when the feelings were good and the feelings were positive etc but then the times where I told you fuck it let's not do it Mm. was when I was thinking about all the negatives that were associated with it as well and you know don't get me wrong I think some negative thoughts do have their place like for example one of the points that I'm going to make is fear being scared things like fear of what people are going to think.
1: That that is like, it's a big kind of thought that comes into my mind, you know, even before we start this, even today. And I'm sure there's hundreds of people, thousands, go through the same kind of thought of just what will people think? You know, are we doing the right thing? Are we going to be okay? Do we sound okay? Our podcast is the perfect example of what we're talking about, to be honest.
0: I think some of the fear essentially is fear of the unknown. Like we don't know, we've never done a podcast before you know we've seen and heard it although it seems simple there's obviously a lot of thought that needs to go into it for us to be able to do it properly and I think with all that you know it obviously comes with this anxiety and I don't think necessarily anxiety on its own is bad it's just when we're not able to deal with it I mean one of the things is you know the fear of failure and I think that um, if I just want to talk about myself like the last let's say half a dozen of projects that I've done there were probably ones that were outside of my you know usual things that I was doing my usual comfort zone I was trying different things out and from those six seven eight nine projects that I did almost half failed.
1: How did that make you feel how did you know the failures in speech marks I'm putting them in?
0: At the time you know once I was able to put my ego aside i just thought you know i can't give a shit about it anymore about the project it wasn't really like fulfilling me as an individual i did it i thought it was a good idea um, I and mean, there's a lot of reasons attached to why that failed things fail for three different reasons one is failure of tactics like what you do and the kind of how bit then you got the failure of strategy is the kind of plan and the process you're going to go through and the other one is failure of vision like you know was the idea even on point in the same place so in amongst all that I think you know some of the previous most recent projects that I did put my hands on failed with mixture of these different, different things. And then if, like, for example, when I was picking this podcast up, that's why it was a lot of back and forth, because I was thinking, where is my fear of failure? Is it in the vision? Is it in, like, you know, the you know the big picture, the why we're doing it? Is it in the strategy? You know, like, the kind of plan that we're doing, et cetera. Is it the failure in the tactics, like, the kind of individual tasks, the day-to-day stuff and all that? So yeah so I think you know fear of failure is definitely a big one that stops us
1: 100% the way I saw it was if we don't starting we're failing before we even try so what is it you know all these negative thoughts that come through uh, you know our mind it's a crazy feeling
0: I mean some of it is the fear of even starting wasn't it it was like where do we start although I come from you know recording audio background there's Danny off, off mic and off camera you know we both are audio professionals but even like doing this project we had to think all the thoughts and all the things that are associated with starting a project like this like what kind of skills what kind of knowledge do we take like right now essentially we're recording this podcast we're testing our equipment, which is going to be one of the solutions we'll come to in a minute. But I think the whole lack of skills and knowledge and the awareness of how to do something, it obviously plays up in your head. So, yeah, So and I, and I think this is another thing as well, which is another point. When you're feeling negative thoughts, it actually has a biological impact on your body. In an extreme scenario, it can make people ill. They're overthinking, etc you say that? It
1: paralyzes your brain, doesn't it? Yeah. It paralyzes yeah. your brain. Yeah, going back to what you just said, you know, we did a lot of research, but this part, what we're doing now, we're actually talking. The anxiety that we go through to even actually come here and just talk, you know, it's a big step in itself. You know, we did all the research, but this is like throwing yourself into the deep end. And like I said, you know, some people's brain just gets paralyzed paralyzed
0: yeah the p- paralysis by analysis
1: do you want to tell us a bit more about
0: so paralysis by analysis is basically where you analyze something so much and where you, where you overthink it so much that you don't know where to start one of the reasons why anyone doesn't start a project is because they're looking for that one right step that one thing that will get it started, what is that first step that you take? And I think, is it the planning? Is it the preparation? Is it buying the kit? Is it, you know, what is it? It's not a straightforward answer, obviously, because we not, did no. we did all those individually, didn't we? Yeah. I think the idea of it, which we'll come to in a minute in the solution part of the show, the idea of the right step, whatever it is, there is no fucking right step. You know, there's just steps that you take. So I think what essentially happens is, you know, you become paralysed by all the overthinking, all the planning, all the preparing. Everything that we did for this show hmm. had for call, to do with this show, in a way.
1: Now we start talking about it and thinking about it, I feel like I actually did go through this paralysis analysis stuff that you're going on about. I was just talking to Danny a few minutes ago. I was like, dude, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's like, just be yourself. I'm like...
0: Yeah, we're just talking.
1: I was thinking, you know, am I going to be all right? Am I going to do this correctly? Do you think there's a solution to this? Or do you think, you know, obviously you can't really, you can't control your mind for it through the correct mindset, but you can't really control it, if you know what I mean.
0: I mean, this is where I think where the solution is in starting this project or starting any other project is if we go back to that thing that I was talking about, the three stages of failure. The third one was that failure of vision, which is essentially like, what is your why? We've asked ourselves a lot of the times, you know, what is our why? And I think once you're able to identify and establish that, then it becomes a little bit more easier. Like one of the reasons why I thought I wanted to do this, my my why was because I'm at an age now where I've had my guard on throughout the 20s. I've acted big and hard when I've not needed to. I've protected my ego. I've protected myself, my image and all that stuff. And then eventually what happens over time is that becomes tiring. On that basis, that was my wife that I want to speak to my peer groups and my boys and my friends and the people that I work with, chill with, associate with, particularly men, obviously because of the stigma, but also like trying to work on that issue where men find it hard to talk, which it's not a simple we'll talk we'll talk about that in another episode. Why is it that men don't talk as much or as many men don't talk. But yeah, so I think the first is that vision is finding out what is your why, why are you doing it and I think from that you tap into your passion or if your passion is not connected to it, you refine your passion. And this is, I think, the last few months of us initiating this project was me refining that, trying to align my why. Yeah. Another solution, I think, again, on the vision category, start with the end in mind. So if I look at the end of this project, the end of this project will be X amount of men who listen to our show and benefit from it. The end in mind for me is where men talk, more openly and freely without any stigma associated or connected to them without having to have to act big and hard and without having to put a guard up, you know, when we're talking about a sensitive topic or an issue. So I think that's the first one.
1: I uh, do you think it was important for us to identify why we wanted to do this and what our, our why was. Myself and you, we think very similar and we have same kind of morals and end goals and it was, it was a big thing for us, wanting to reach the masses of men that kind of struggle to talk about things. And ultimately, you are 100% right. Because if we didn't have our why d- determined and identified to the point... We'd still be talking about We'd still it. be talking about what yeah. should we do? What should what we why do. should we do it? Yeah. What should we do and how should we do it? But we identified what, why we wanted to do it straight away. And then everything else comes secondary.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, once you get your why bit, Mm -hmm. then you can find the motivation of of, of doing it.
1: I think it's a similar process in anything. Say football, for instance, you know, you need to score goals to win a game. How you get there comes secondary. You have to score goals. That's your ultimate aim.
0: I'm going to say this, like, one of my biggest why was I've got two men in my family. I can see the problem of not being able to communicate and talk, you know, not talking, being the right thing
1: yeah brush it under the carpet yeah yeah it and bottling
0: is. it up and all that stuff and i'm seeing the detrimental effect in my family i've just remembered that now as well i've not wrote it down in my notes but i remember that being one of the motivation i thought shit you know let me do it for my family i mean from there and i think that's where it, it goes on to the solution if you want there's multiple different solutions i think I, you know i wouldn't say there's only one solution that will fit it but these are obviously the ones that i thought of and I remember saying this to Danny once when you have too many options, you don't know what to do. Limit your options, like, let's keep it simple, let's keep it basic, don't overcomplicate it. Then, another thing which I've done in all my project management work, and I'm treating this as a project within itself, is what they call reverse engineering. So, if we go back a few minutes ago when I said about starting with the end in mind, so whatever our project outcome is, we make that into the end and then we reverse engineer it so if I want to build a brick wall this is what a brick wall looks like but then let's reverse engineer it and what I mean by that is right okay it needs this many bricks it needs this brick layer it needs this kind of cement so you really take out the individual tasks going backwards and you list it all down and then once you've done that, you're able to see it in certain stages. So once you've reverse engineered everything, everything tends to have its own time and place. So in the world of project, you know, you've got what they call... Um, dependencies where one thing's connected with the other so yeah so I think once you've reverse engineered a monstrous task then you know what to start with and I think after you've done all the thinking after you've done all the planning after you've done everything I think it always comes down to that element of trusting your gut following your heart but taking your head with you
1: yeah 100% take our industry for instance you know, a client comes they want a website they want it for that date, and this is what they want it to do. And then we'll have to go back, we'll have to do all the research, all the prep work, all the other stuff that we do within it. It's like a jigsaw, you know. Mm. You know, you see all the, the pieces. Yeah, all the pieces you put you have in the yep. You
0: have to have all the pieces laid yep. out.
1: Yep, but you've got the box there with yeah. the you know, the picture there. This is what we need to do.
0: So let's say in a website, let's let's break that. So in a website, how many, like the website you're doing for me, for example, right? In a ballpark figure, how many individual tasks do you think there was associated with that website?
1: Probably at least 50.
0: Right, okay, 50.
1: If you look at it, we had to, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew what look we knew we what wanted. look it wanted, yeah. We wanted at the end. But it's getting to there. Remember that part where we had to... You know, the make, the, make the animation yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. was a...
0: So, no, no, I mean, if you just use that as an example. So you got you got 50 tasks, right? The concept of reverse engineering, just to use it as a website. And I think websites are a perfect example. It's an engineering, it's an element of engineering, isn't it? So if you think about it, like for you to have started a website, before you even, on the go, you in your head, or write it down, I don't know how you task manage, you in your head probably could envisage those 50 tasks couldn't you yeah more or less yeah. like this is what I need to do this is what I need stage to do stage one stage, stage two, two yeah exactly stage
1: eight stage nine yeah yeah, yeah, but yeah then we'd have to fill in all the middle parts which we did together obviously the content how much content but yeah it goes back to what you said you know have the end goal in mind and then Everything else comes comes into yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think that's where from the thinking. If you go back to the overthinking element, if you can turn every stress and anxiety into a task, the idea of it is we don't want to think about it. We've th- once we've thought about it, something needs to happen to that. So that needs to either turn into a task, it needs to go into an agenda of an you know of a meeting etc., or it needs to you know move out of our thought process. I think then it goes into um. The law of 1% essentially are ah, movement. It's making that first step. And then from there, you start making progress. The idea of 1% is that you do that and then it creates momentum.
1: Yep. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's a positive step in the right direction. Yeah. It's a positive coping strategy, as you'd say. You know, we we we've took our first step and now we have to do the other 99% of what we need to do.
0: If we look into making incremental progress, then we're not looking at the... Because once you've decided your why and your vision and your end goal and all that, I think it's quite important that you forget about it as well. Not necessarily forget about it, you put it aside. Like right now, we're not thinking about the 100 million subscribers that we want. We're not, are we? You know, what we're doing, we want to do a good episode. We want to get our points across. We want to have a good conversation. We're not caring about the why anymore. The why has started us off. Right now, our objective is to try and make a good episode out of this conversation that we have in. Uh, So, yeah. So I think that's why it's important that once you've got the big picture, you come back to the right here, right now. The 1%. Yeah, the the, the 1%. Because, I mean, I remember I did this keynote once in college and I was talking about 1%. I was trying to explain to him what is 1% of Ronaldo? What is 1% of Bill Gates? What is 1% of Eminem? Like 1% might not seem much, but 1% of Ronaldo at the time was three goals per match. You know, that's quite a lot. The average that I worked out was a period of 12 months divided by how many games he played. That was his 1%. You know, so if you think about it, 1% is pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. The, the way I see it is 1%, it might seem, it might seem hardly anything. Say in the business world, right? If you are 1% ahead of your competitor
0: that's all it takes
1: that's all it takes yeah. just one step forward just one step forward if they do X, Y, Z you add an A to the X, Y, Z just to get that 1% better and gradually if they stay the same you keep improving that 1%, 1% percent, yeah you know you'll grow dramatically
0: yeah. Well, that 1% rule is applied it was a British cycling coach right so he came in to the Tour de France the one that just recently happened came in And he basically wanted to make Great Britain champions, right? But he knew he couldn't make them any more better cyclists because apparently they were already pretty shit hot and they were losing by small, small fragments. So what he did, he looked at the lives of everything that they did. And when I say lives, I'm talking about the kind of pillows they slept on, the kind of soaps and all that that they used, the kind of underpants that they wear, you know, everything. Things that are not associated with cycling. And all he did is wanted to make a 1% change. So for example, if they were, I don't know, if they were sleeping on softer pillows, he wanted to make that 1% harder.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't stop at that 1% though. Was it consistent? So he he'd improve them each week, each day by a percent. I
0: can't remember the full details of it, but the idea of that 1% was that he applied it on everything. I'd imagine he'd make incremental progresses on certain things like either the pillows got harder or the underpants got tighter or looser, whichever one they're looking at it. They were changing the seats, they were changing the the foot pedals, etc. And ironically, they became the champions the next Tour de France. The article that I was reading on the law of 1%, that's what the person that was writing it was talking about just the law of 1%, how you can make massive changes by just concentrating one percent one percent a lot of it's focused on weightlifters, you know so if someone's bench pressing i don't know let's say 100 kgs the idea of you know that they make one percent progress every time i mean for those that lift body weight and a half plus will know that one two kgs makes you or breaks you you add that 1.25 kg play you know i've struggled with it like you think yeah i've smashed this particular weight, but then put like a 1.25 in and they can't fucking lift it anymore that's the
1: value that's how powerful one percent is at that point i'm thinking of it differently once you were speaking i was just thinking you use ronaldo as an An example. example he can't be great every single game you know he's just lost the ball d'Or this year. don't know whether I'm going to explain it properly, but an individual can't be great every single day of his life. okay They improve themselves one percent at a time it reduces the pressure that they're putting themselves under. You don't have to be twice as good as what you were last yeah, A uh, last game. you know just one percent at a time will reduce the pressure and still keep you improving each day just improve yourself one percent yeah and you know by the end
0: you know i mean for those that follow diet plans etc like legitimate diet plans not none of this like network marketing bullshit and all these like secret pills and secret shakes and secret teas and all that but people that work on making professional weight so i'm talking about fighters bodybuilders what other athletes need to make professional weight danny i think even Boxers. Ra- boxers i think races after as well they have to be a, yeah, do, a particular yeah, weight so those chaps and chapesses need to make professional weight. So they're working right. with proper nutritionists, right? So what they do, and this is like working and knowing and speaking with people that do it as a job, is once they've set you like a caloric allowance, right, then they work on reducing it bit by bit. Sometimes, let's say, for example, someone like us around the 2000 mark, yeah? they literally, they come down in stages that like once you've hit your plateau and you're not losing more weight at 2000 calories, then they're knocking it down by 20, 50, whatever, you know, and they're coming down bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit. They're not making a drastic change for biological reasons and psychological reasons, but also at the same time, they are making changes gradually going back to that incremental progress. You've got the big picture in mind that you want to let's use the nutrition carry on with that example for a second you want six packs and blah de blah and all that stuff yeah. yeah but then you're worrying about your crunches your planks your you know what you're having for breakfast and you're working you on those one step at
1: a time just like yeah. I was saying before cut out your sugar just cut out the sugar yeah you know forget reducing from two spoons to like zero make it one and a half spoons instead of Obviously, that's 25%. But it's a, small, it's a small step that will help you yeah. reach your end goal.
0: So the last point that, you know, I think we'll make on this section here, that you give yourself some time to play and pilot the project. So the last two projects, I don't know if Danny was involved with the last one. That I, It didn't fail, but I put it to a side. But that was a pilot. There wasn't that much emotions attached to it. There was... Mm-hmm but there was other stuff going on. So when I paused that project, you know, it wasn't a big one. So I think you start small and start playing with the idea. Mm. That's when you know, that's when all your anxieties, et cetera, start coming at ease. You know, let's not hide it. You know, there was a level of anxiety, like what, how are we going to do? How are we going to talk and all that? But within about five, 10 minutes or even that, you know, be settled in. And I remember someone giving this advice back on the, like my boy band days, that, that nervousness, feeling before stage that butterflies and all that take it to stage with you right and the moment you start performing it'll be gone and you know what it was so true the moment you start performing it's gone what you need to be able to do is get your confidence and your self-esteem and all the anxiety and all that you want to put it aside by giving yourself that acknowledgement from playing with the idea. So right now we, you know, essentially are recording a pilot, aren't we? This is a pilot episode. You know, we're testing the equipment, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to see how much of our script, how much time it takes to record them. You know, then we're going to see how much time it takes Danny to edit and blah, de blah, and all that stuff. But you give yourself time to play. So it's like draft copies in your yeah. world.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, let's take your logo, for instance. You know, let's take that. It was two letters, S. And um, and what do we do, you know, rather than banging our heads on one Make simple best idea, one. best one, we just threw a whole load of different concepts, a whole load of different font styles, sizes, variations, and we just kind of mixed them all about. And,
0: and there we have, we, we, have, we have my are. logo, right? Okay. So the next part of the episode is essentially what we call, you know, a knowledge bomb. Or a quote deconstruct. man. I'm not sure many people have heard this one before, but I think the relevance is hitting the nail on their head. Like when I was thinking about a quote or looking for a quote, I was thinking about one that nobody knows or, you know, I'm able to like, you know, wow people with my philosophical like quotes. But then I thought, nah, fuck okay, it. I've got one here that explains what we're trying to say, which is a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Now, if you think about everything that we spoke about,
1: it's that, it's that first step, isn't it? It's that yeah. first step that you're not going to fail. And, you know, yes, are we I taking can, the right step? T- oh, yeah. Are exactly. we taking the
0: best step that we can? The first step, is it going to be the best step? Is it going to be the most right step? But, I mean, I don't know what do you understand from that quote?
1: Make that first step, then the thousands will follow later. If you don't know whether you can make that first step or not, it's just like our podcast, it's the first kind of movement. And that first step will help us prepare for the was a thousand was it thousand thousand, thousand miles thousand miles sorry so let's go and try it let's go you know you don't know if the swimming pool is freezing unless you put your little toe in yeah in a way it comes back to you know the paralysis analysis yeah kind of concept like if
0: we was just thinking about the thousand miles over and over again we think shit is so far we'll never get there we'll
1: never
0: do it you know we'll die before we get there and all that stuff and I think that's why I I kind of settled on on this quote when I was thinking about it I thought it makes so much sense because essentially we are taking that one step in our own this podcast is thousand miles journey we're hoping that it becomes a long-term project. We hope that, you know, we're able to bring in right people to talk to. We're also, I mean, more importantly, bring in the right listeners that need to listen to these, you know, these kind of shows and these kind of discussions. But then all the only thing that we worried about is one episode one topic that we're talking about, one conversation. So I think that for me, it resonated everything that we've said. So that whole law of 1%, the the momentum, the reverse engineering. The
1: why is your why? Why is
0: your why? Everything comes into that one quote for me. So I thought, you know what, forget everything else. And I thought for this particular topic, pick a quote that everybody knows, everybody's probably heard of it before. And in our scenario, what it means and what it resonates. Because I'm sure, like, I'd imagine 90% of our listeners, whoever listens to this show, probably would have heard it or seen it somewhere. You know, used to get those big posters, like a bridge, like London Bridge or something, that will say, like, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Right, so the next part of the show is where we talk about some form of gadget tool or any resources that we can use or should use that is, you know, relevant to the topic that we're talking about. You know, it could be anything. It could be a particular app. It could be a particular device. I'm quite tech and gadgety person. It could be anything. So the first one that I want to talk about is a task management app slash software slash web service known as Wunderlist. They are not sponsoring us. Basically, it's a task and project management system that allows you to reverse engineer, break down your project into incremental steps. And then once you've had a brain dump slash brainstorm of all these things that you need to do, let's go back to building my wall example again, or you're building a website on 50 steps, you put all those individual 50 steps. And the idea is you stop stressing about it after that and you just get cracking on on one of those individual items. So that's Wunderlist. As far as I know, it's available on all the devices. It's helped me a lot. I think I've got both of you on it, yeah, haven't I? Yeah. I do everything with it. I do a lot of managing my team, managing my own personal projects. This year, I did some of my own like goal, habit, changing things. I'm using it for, for that. So yeah, so that's a really good tool to use.
1: If you look at Wunderlist, they've not invented the wheel or anything yeah, like yeah. that have especially what we do every single day so i would say personally use whatever means necessary yeah, yeah. could be pen and paper yeah it could be a whiteboard yeah. it could be notes on your phone but ultimately like sam said reverse engineering so you write down your points and you know what you need to do and then whatever way you need to calculate and keep a track of what you need to do you do ultimately i feel that as long as you're hitting your targets of what you need to do you can use whatever device you want yeah 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 yeah. but it is back to what you said earlier on in the show about reverse engineering and i think gradually if you can get your brain your mind into that process it's just like taking health into consideration my fitness pal if you've ever used it you know what you need to do but this is just kind of Given you your... Yeah. End goal. Yeah, 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 And then it becomes a habit, and it becomes a routine, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like with anything.
0: Absolutely. Just to recap, the main problem that we feel in the mental health associated with starting a project is the fear. Yeah, percent. Do you agree with that? I mean, there's lots of fears. Fears of different things, yeah. isn't there? Fear of unknown. Fear of failure. Fear of
1: what people will say.
0: Rejection. Fear of what people will say, and you Criticism. know, all that stuff. Yeah. And solutions. So for me, the first one is acknowledge that fear. That fear is legitimate. You need to process that you can't, You shouldn't forget about it don't get me wrong you know the steps that you take but the first step that I say is you acknowledge it because it's hopefully going to make sure that you do a good job
1: Acknowledge and take a step like you said once we've acknowledged it it's like what do we do we kind of need to change that don't we yeah and kind of step into it and actually do something about yeah, it.
0: The other solution, if you want to recap it on, is the reverse engineering. Break down your project into 1% tasks. Just get started. The final point is play small. From your 50 task of that website that we were doing as an example, your 1% should be having a play with your idea and seeing, testing the waters and see what it's like. So, yeah, so we are at the end of our show. Thank you very much for those who have subscribed and listened and viewed us on whichever platform they are listening or viewing us on wherever you have listened, don't forget to rate the show subscribe to our other channels you're able to find our stuff at the moment on menwhotalk.com through that you're able to find it on all the other devices and once again finally this show was brought to you by DSGN UK who design develop awesome stuff which includes branding graphics websites and all aspects of marketing
1: a big thank you to everyone that's tuned in to listen to us or watch us if you think that we should do anything differently, please do let us know. Like Sam said, our website is www.menwhotalk.com. All our contact details and our social. people
0: stop saying www. Because they always used to miss the third one.
1: <laughs> Did I say the third one?
0: <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah, let us know in some form of comment section.
1: We're doing it for you guys at the end of the day. And we mm-hmm. will take on board any feedback. Thank you. I'm Ansa, signing off.
0: And I'm Sam signing off and Danny who's waving off camera.